Hello and welcome everybody to the Raptors play-in preview podcast. That's right. The Raptors are about to play their inaugural play-in game. It's been around for a couple years, but now featuring the Raptors as the nine seed, the Chicago Bulls as the 10 seed. And so today joining me is Steph No, who previously covered the Bulls specifically for The Athletic, but now covers the NBA at large for the Sporting News. He's one of the best doing it. I learn a lot reading about anything he writes about, really, but most recently learning about how Jakob Pertl's rolling in particular might give the Raptors, or sorry, the Bulls some troubles. That'll be linked in the bio. But we're here to talk about the playing game, kind of go back and forth, banter about what might go right and wrong for each team. Steph, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to talk to you, Samson. I'm a huge fan of your work, so uh, hopefully I don't make myself look foolish. <laughs> no, man, there's no way. There's no way whatsoever. And, and thank you. That's that's really kind of you to say. The first thing I want to say, the Bulls at 10, if you can give us like the, the cliff notes, the flashbulb, whatever version of Raptors fans, haven't seen a lot of the Bulls. They're going to be listening to this podcast. How would you introduce this team to them? So I guess the f- elevator pitch for the Bulls, they were the number one team in the East last year through the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Then they completely fell apart and got embarrassed <laughs> in the playoffs against the Bucks. So it was kind of unclear what version of the team we were going to get this season. But Lonzo Ball was out the whole year. I mean, he's going to be out next year too. It's yeah. really sad. He was so important to their team. Um, so they were they were missing him really badly. They started out pretty terrible. They got a little burst of energy when they signed Pat Bev on the buyout market. And he's kind of filled that spot of just at least giving them some three-point shooting. Like Pat Bev's not a volume mm-hmm. three-point but he can make wide open ones. And then another super impactful defensive body, which Lonzo was a turnover machine, uh, generating machine when he was on the Bulls. So it's like a very, very poor man's version of Lonzo. They've, uh, I think they've been 13 and 10 with Pat Bev, something like that. So a little bit better than 500. Um, it's been a very roller coaster season, very similar actually to the Raptors, I think. Um, yeah. Proved a ton, as you know, like with. Yaka Pertle. So Pabov hasn't been quite on that scale, but that's kind of been the the Bulls roller coaster of a season thus far. The number one team in defensive rating since the All-Star break. The Raptors, I think, are tied for fourth with the Lakers. The outside looking in episode that I did at the start of the year with Larry Golden, who I know is a mutual friend between us, who's great. We talked about the Bulls and we had both agreed that these two teams are probably in a similar tier. Now, the Raptors fans in the in the comments didn't like those two being grouped together. The Raptors were supposed to take this big jump. The Bulls were supposed to be at least a very good team. The Raptors had all types of turbulence related to personalities clashing, related to on-court stuff, and the Bulls obviously losing Lonzo, who, what a unique player. Just a real shame what's happened with him, but, you know, all the best to him. Either way, the teams are here. The first thing I want to talk about is who is your expected starting five? And then let's kind of hash out how the matchups might look. So the one question mark in the Bulls starting five is with um, Alex Caruso. He's started a little bit more than half the games for them. Um, Patrick Williams has kind of uh, flip-flopped with him. So the last time that the Raptors played the Bulls back in February, end of February, Caruso did start that game. And the last, I think, maybe like five or six games, um, Caruso has started for the Bulls as well. 
So they go pretty small with Crusoe. He he can guard anywhere from one to four. Uh, specifically for this matchup, he's been guarding Pascal Siakam. So it's like kind of like a power. They're essentially playing him a power forward. And you know the Bulls' big three of Demar Derozan, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, and uh, like I said, the last guy has been Pat Bev. So as far as that goes, what is your comfortability with the Caruso matchup for the? Pascal Siakam thing. Not comfortable. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah, you know, it's funny because Caruso is guarded um, up a lot. Like Julius Randle, they usually put him uh, on Randle, and he does a great job. Uh, Paul George, he's even guarded guys like Kristaps Porzingis on switches, and he's fine. But I don't know why. Like, for every reason, uh, maybe Pascal's just better at using his body to get I think I think it starts early. Like I think Pascal's really good actually at getting early position. Yeah. All, and all once those of, guys catch deep. Yeah. All, all three of OG, Scotty, and Pascal are pretty into early work. That's something that the Raptors, as much as they fail at other things, that's something that they've been pretty good at. Yeah, I feel like the other guys like Julius Randle or Paul George, they're more like confident that they can catch really far out and just back guys down. And uh, for, Caruso is just such a pest. Like he can get his hands on. Uh, the ball when you're backing him down, so that doesn't work quite as well against him. Um, but yeah, Pep, uh, excuse me, uh, Pascal Siakam was just giving the Bulls a ton, a ton of problems in that February game. Even though, like, if you look at his box score, I think he was like seven of 18, 20 points, it doesn't look that good, but he was impacting so much of the stuff. Like, if you, I don't know if uh, I haven't looked at his secondary assists, but even further than that, just collapsing the defense, swing, swing, you know getting those open threes. Pascal was doing a ton of that, and he was also getting uh, Pat Bev and Caruso in early foul trouble because they just had to foul him. Like yeah. they, they, He caught it you know, a foot outside of the basket, so Caruso would just have to grab him on some of these plays. Actually, like the second play of the game, too, um, Siakam just took him into the post in this February game and like shot a fadeaway right over him. Caruso you know, defended as well as he could, but he's just not tall enough in that matchup. So that's kind of the... I think the most interesting aspect of lining up with the Raptors is their glut of wings, be it OG, Pascal, or Scotty. Um, we wanted Precious to take that jump this year. It hasn't quite happened. But I think that's probably the most interesting thing. Vucevic is going to guard Pirtle. Pirtle, Vucevic. Um, Pat Bev and Fred, I assume, will be matched up against each other. But if it is Caruso or Pat Williams... How do you think that wing tandem shakes out kind of like who's going to guard Scotty? Who's going to guard OG? Who's going to guard Pascal in your opinion? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, Caruso or Pat Bev is going to guard Pascal. And then, you know, DeMar and Zach are kind of like the same, essentially, I feel yeah. like. Uh, and when they played, like they switched a lot um, on Scotty and OG. Just both of those guys have okay size. I mean, DeMar's a little bit bigger than Zach, but both of them are. Uh, not not great off ball, I would say. <laughs> right. Probably the the weak links on the Bulls. Um, yeah, actually, Zach is like okay as an on ball defender. I think Demar's he's okay too. But yeah, those guys are. Um, I mean, they're both going to be not really getting in the way of either any any Raptors players that they're guarding. I, I do wonder if do, do you have any sense of who the team values as a more I guess. Or a better off-ball defender between Zach and Demar. I mean, they're both really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's 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 really. I mean, I I'd, I'd put the both of them in the bottom ten percent of the league. Yeah. 
I think that that makes OJ and Anobi a pretty dangerous player in like this one game thing. He's been, he has 50, 40, 90 splits since the all-star break. He's hit a bunch of threes. He's one of the best cutters in the Eastern conference. He's really heady. He dunks everything at the rim. It's just like a lot of efficiency without demanding a lot of the ball. And that seems like a nightmare scenario. If the bulls are going to be doubling Pascal, throwing extra bodies, and if the Raptors can make the requisite decisions to kind of get the ball to the right guy in the right situation, which for efficiency purposes, the Raptors offense oftentimes is OG. On the other side, though, there's difficult questions as well. DeMar DeRozan is tremendous. I just did a video for Yahoo Sports. If anybody wants to go watch it about how DeMar has been guarded by the Raptors historically. But Zach Levine, actually, I'll start like this. The best the offense for the Bulls has looked against the Raptors, I think, has been when they don't let the Raptors catch up after they throw the bodies at DeMar. It's when the first guy who catches the pass doesn't make the second pass. He creates a driving line. And if there is another pass to be made, it's after a couple dribbles are put down. But as far as just like trying to move the ball around the perimeter against the Raptors, historically has been pretty bad for the Bulls. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Um I feel like the Bulls have incorporated that a lot more in the second half of the season. These stampede cuts specifically yeah. or um, go and catch. So they're called a lot, especially with Io Desunmu, who is a very mm-hmm. reticent shooter and not a good shooter in terms of percentages either. Like almost to a, to a fault, he'll be wide open and he'll drive straight into the help a lot of times. But it is effective like because... Um, yeah, now we're really getting into the weeds. But yeah. uh, when teams are bringing nail help, against DeMar, which they do all the time, mm-hmm. that opens up a gap. You know, they're not playing the gaps. So you can sneak in behind the help when you make those stampede cuts. So it is very, very effective, um, especially in the Bulls case, because like you said, uh, if they're not going on the catch, a lot of times they're just record scratching and allowing the Raptors to recover. And then that advantage that DeMar or Zach creates is completely negated. So you really do have to be like super, super fast, especially with a team like the Raptors who has so much experience, you know, being in rotation, they're comfortable being in rotation. The way you make them uncomfortable is you have to go fast. That's the only solution. I think it's also that the Raptors, they're comfortable in rotation, but they're also comfortable showing rotate, more comfortable showing rotation than they are making that hard rotation to a drive, for example. Like there's a difference in the NBA between showing and actually rotating and it might seem negligible but it isn't to a guy who actually puts the ball down in a stampede cut like you mentioned and is punching that gap and saying like is somebody going to meet me in here or am I going to be able to get a shot off at the rim Io in the second game that the Raptors and Bulls played in November kind of changed the tone of the game by doing so and I remember that being like really really effective so that is something I'm really interested to see how it affects the the play-in matchup but I'm pretty sure OG is going to be the guy guarding DeMar. Historically, he has been. And when OG's off the floor, they've had one of Precious or Scotty guarding DeMar. But it's been OG for the most part. As far as the Zach Levine thing, do you have a preference? Do you think there's a guy he would do quite well against on the Raptors outside of OG? Do I think there's a guy that Zach would do well against on the Raptors? Yeah. Um, hmm. I, don't, I mean, they've, they've put Van Vliet on him a lot. Um, I think that as far as like one-on-one goes, like he can probably do the best against 
Van Vliet, but that's not really the way that the Raptors play anyway. I mean, they're going to bring help, so it doesn't really... It's not as important who that initial matchup is. Um, yeah, so every time DeMar or Zach try to go, try to drive, like it's not even two bodies, it's three bodies. Yeah, uh, yeah so that's that's why, like, as long as those guys can stay solid, it doesn't really matter how tight they're playing. And, and Van Vliet's not going to get blown by, really, I don't think. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think it's like super, super important who the primary is on those guys. I do, I do wonder how that will shake out because they're they could move Van Vliet. They, like historically, the Raptors have been pretty comfortable, more comfortable than they should be, um, putting Scotty on point guards and then setting Fred kind of at the back end of the defense so he can be more effective on digs and stuff like that. But I do mm-hmm. wonder what that looks like, and I'm also I wonder what the Bulls if if OG proves to be pretty sticky on Demar like at the point of attack if they kind of shift more of the offense away from DeMar and more of it into Zach's hands. And is it, have you, have you seen quite a lot of that happen for the bulls or are they usually like trying to keep it more 50, 50 between those guys? I know they have similar counting stats as far as like what they create and impact, but do you see the hierarchy shift quite often between those two? Well, it shifts based on what point in the game you're at. So mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, DeRozan clearly takes over and he takes a huge percentage of usage. Um, he doesn't even need ball screens like he does it on isolations right. and then he'll he'll generate an advantage and then pass it out or whatever. Um, and I feel like um, Levine kind of thinks like that mid middle portion of the games is more like his area to work. They, they start out almost every single game with a cross screen for a Vucevic post-up. So like they try to establish Vucevic early. Yeah, then probably like Zach in the middle and Damar is very, very much so their closer. That makes sense. So the I always consider like guys like Zach Levine who dominate the middle of the game. That's when the game kind of finds its pacing and you get a little bit more room to work and pick and roll. And there's like more of a flow to a game. You dribble up the court, maybe you get like a drag screen, something like that. And and the the Bulls, I mean, the they almost had a comeback in the third game of the season, but that was largely fueled by, I think, pick and roll and popping, pick and popping with Vucevic and, and some outside shooting as well. As far as the Raptors, when we think about their defense, do you think that between the stampede cuts, providing rim pet pressure, or maybe in a one-game toss-up, do you have a preference between the Bulls choosing to try and kind of, with a, a five who does shoot it better than most centers in the league, with, you know, if, if Pat Bev is feeling it, he provides more shooting than historically they've gotten there between probably Zach off ball to some degree. Like, what what is your ideal scenario for the Bulls to try and operate to the best of their ability offensively? Well, their half-court offense sucks. <laughs> yeah, so. same with the Raptors. <laughs> yeah, they just got to try to get out and run. As far as, like, half-court stuff, I think that's more of what your <laughs> question was. Um it's tough because you can't get players to play outside their comfort zone, even if that's what you want to do as a coach. So like, I think that if we were playing 2K and you could just control the players, like I would love to just pick yeah. a pop Vooch 15 times. He's not going to shoot 15 threes though. He just never does. Like that was the perfect strategy against the Bucks too, because the Bucks were doing the exact same thing the Raptors are going to do, which is overload on Zach and on DeMar and force other guys to shoot. And Vucevic is always open on that pick and pop. That's like, again, the Bulls offense 
in the half court is horrendous. There's, there's probably scoring like, I don't know, 0.85 points per possession or something. So Vucevic, you know, he's a 35% shooter. That's going to be by far their best outcome. Same thing with Pat Bev, you know, like he, uh, he shoots an okay percentage. I, I haven't looked it up, but you know, career it's maybe like 37, 38% this year. I think it's closer to maybe 34. Um, but he just won't shoot a ton of them. Like he'll pump fake, wait, and then, you know, the Raptors defense is reset. Um, so you, you just have to, be comfortable with, uh, let these guys be comfortable with what they are good at. And for the Bulls, that is letting DeMar cook, trying to bait guys into fouls, um, you know, letting Levine kind of get stuff on the second side or shoot a ton of pull-up threes and playing through Vooch in the post, hoping teams double him and the role players just hopefully, you know, going one of three from three, like all all five of the bench guys or whatever. So, the half court stuff for the Bulls. I think they're twenty fourth in half court, and they're and the Raptors are twenty fifth, I believe. Points per play in the half court. It says the Bulls are ninth, but they just have no offensive rebounding, and they don't run a ton of like they don't get a lot a large percentage of plays per cleaning the glass. So yeah, check it, out. it should be really interesting to see how the Raptors and the Bulls, kind of two teams very bad at half court offense, try and find success. As far as you and I have different uh, versions of the word interesting, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to watching that half court offense. Um, as a Raptors analyst and Raptors fans will know this extremely well, you gotta try to appreciate the grind. This the offense has been crazy stagnant for years at this point, and I, I don't think that Pascal Siakam or Fred Van Vliet um, can be as tantalizing at any point in time as maybe Zach or Demar. But regardless. You said establishing through Vooch. What do you think that looks like with now Pirtle in, like, they had Pirtle last time, but what do you think that looks like for this play-in game, trying to establish Vooch through the post, and if that double comes? Well, Pirtle, man, I love Pirtle. He's awesome. Pirtle's yeah. a great defender in so many different areas. I think, like, post-defense, he's pretty solid, so Vooch is not going to have an advantage there. But what the Bulls will do is they'll use Caruso as a screener, and the Raptors are switching 4-5, so they're switching Siakam and Pirtle. And in that game in February, um, Vucevic was taking it to Siakam. Like, I think that he Siakam's just not big enough. And Vucevic has a pretty good bag in the post. Like, the way that Vucevic scores, he never gets to the free throw line. Like, he's just trying to use a lot of pump fakes, a lot of little hooks on both hands. And that kind of stuff works uh, really well on Pascal and not very well on Pirtle. So I, I think that's what they're going to do. Is just like I said, they start every game on this cross screen action for Vooch. They're probably going to do a lot of that. That's like their favorite ATO as well. Mm. That's that's kind of the I think the biggest misnomer about Vooch was that he's a bruiser because he he looks like a bruiser, but especially going back to Orlando, he was like a finesse volume scorer, which was pretty rare for a guy with his physical profile and at yeah. his position. And a lot of people had no idea how he scored his his buckets. But then you play him, and you're like, "Oh, what the hell? This is this looks a lot different than I might have expected." Your piece you wrote, which I kind of want to dive into, was about how the Bulls defend at the level. And for the listener, the level of the screen is basically you you dis, you define it as up to touch. I think that's what um, Second Spectrum and Synergy also define it as. I'm not okay. quite sure. And not aware of that. <laughs> oh, so well. Anyway, up to touch means basically that you're going to um, come up to the level of the screen, 
and you touch the the screener, which gives you the option if the drive starts coming, you can kind of push off to start yourself backpedaling or shifting with them. But regardless, it's it's the type of defense that we're going to likely see from the Bulls. Why do you think that this isn't as why do you think that this is something that the Bulls might be susceptible to? Yeah, their defense works pretty well. Like I feel like a lot of the league these days is super dynamic ball handlers or point guards and then um like mediocre rollers uh, mm-hmm. a lot of guys are setting screens mostly to get the switch not really to play make and short roll um so the bulls defense has worked pretty well in that regard just because their point of attack defenders i mean they're awesome caruso is probably the best in the league he's uh, yeah. pat bev obviously is very good io Dasunmu is extremely underrated and then they have javante green on the bench too they probably have like four of the top 20 guard point of defenders on their team uh, and when you pair that with vucevic uh, not giving those guards a lot of space it gives these bulldogs a lot of opportunity to just attack and generate so many turnovers like i said the bulls need these turnovers to get fast breaks because that's basically their best chance of winning these games um, now, the weakness there is that with Vucevic staying so high up, guys can roll behind him, and then you're giving up a four-on-three. Um, so it, the strategy has just like... I, I think the mistake that a lot of fans make is they say, like, you know, drop sucks, you should never drop, or hedging sucks, like, you should never hedge. But all these schemes have certain strengths and certain weaknesses, so you employ them against certain personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this scheme that the Bulls use. It works really, really good against dynamic point guards and crappy rollers, but it does not work well against mediocre point guards and good rollers, which I feel like that's kind of what the Raptors have. Like Van Vliet, his strength actually is like more passing than just like generating an advantage. So like you're taking away his advantage generation, but that's not really what he does anyway. So it's, it's definitely been Van Vliet is a guy who won't pressure a dropping big the way that a lot of the star guards do. Like Van Vliet, as far as guys who've taken over, I think, 100 mid-range attempts is fifth or sixth so far this season. But it's not – that's not what you want to build your offense out of is like pretty efficient or really efficient mid-range jumpers. Maybe maybe if the Bulls do that, maybe it's an opportunity for Fred to have like go for 30 or something. I don't know how Raptors fans or the Raptors feel about that in a one-game – situation well i guess two if things go wild but as far as the bulls and raptors i just fred is a guy who he's been pretty reliably since pearl came getting him the ball and pearl is not only really good at finishing with pace on the roll but he also is a guy who makes sure he gets sideways so he can catch and pivot and it completely shakes up the timing of all the help side defenders And so if the Bulls are expecting a tag to be effective or like a weak side rotation, I think that Pirtle, just like he did in their game at the end of February, is going to have them off kilter if he's getting past um, uh, Vucevic at all. It should be really interesting. On the other side, though, Pirtle is a guy who has been playing pretty close to the level against the Bulls. There was a play that it went through Vucevic's hands as he rolled, but the Raptors did a hedge and recover that was the worst it looked as a coverage, but otherwise playing up at the level and trying to make sure that OG and Pirtle's length can crowd the little pop, you know, pass over the top to 
to Vooch, be it, you know, as a popper or as a short roller, I think that's been kind of steady. Have you seen any holes in the Raptors defense that they can kind of in the pick and roll attack? Well, I think what's good for the Raptors about this matchup is um, they're going to have problems with really dynamic passers and the Bulls, you know, DeMar is a good passer, but he's not dynamic. He's not dynamic. Zach is probably average to maybe slightly below average. So that's perfect for them. Also, the Bulls don't have a vertical threat at all, um, which again, like that's that's great for the Raptors because it really limits the options that you have. Um, so what they're going to give up in that defense is they're going to give up a lot of threes, which who cares because the Bulls can't shoot. <laughs> um, so let's just take a break right here. So far, we've been talking. You sound pretty pessimistic it's not the end of the podcast but do you have a prediction as far as how this might go i think all these years of rebuilding bulls has kind of worn on me i'm really not super pessimistic about this game like i think that it could go either way because the teams are very very evenly matched um i think the edge just has to go to the raptors just because of home court advantage Hmm. what what does a bulls win look like to you because i and I'll, i'll tell you what a raptors loss looks like to me so these teams are one and two in deflections. I think the ball is just going to be all over the court, which means there's going to be a lot of 50-50 balls. Like whoever ends up getting more of those, I feel like is going to win the game. Like the Raptors are going to have an edge in the possession battle just because the Bulls stink at offensive yeah. rebounding and the Raptors are really good. But um yeah, both teams generate a ton of turnovers and they're like they're live ball turnovers. And you know, we we already established that both these teams are going to struggle to score probably in the half court. So it's just whoever can get those loose balls, whoever can get easy points in transition, and maybe like with three point variance, I think that's going to play a role. But probably, probably both teams like aren't going to shoot that great from three. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think it's just going to be uh, kind of like luck of the bounce of the ball, basically. That's when I think about the Raptors losing this game. I do think about maybe like Pat Will hitting a three or two out of the corner. I think that Zach probably shoots well if it comes to him breaks down the defense, punching a gap, working off of, you know, DeMar's gravity. Also, DeMar probably foul baiting a decent amount. And I also think that Vooch, the pick and pop, we've seen this with the Raptors. Now, Vooch and Gasol aren't comparable, but the reluctance at, you know, their near all-star level to pull from three is something that has made offenses hum less than they should have. Raptors fans will be aware of that. That's why I say that. But I think that transition defense which is something that the Raptors have had like a ton of variance over the course of the season. Some days it's been extremely good. Other days it's been extremely bad. And I think it's leaned more so towards bad as far as that goes for the Raptors. But that's that's kind of what I see a Bulls win looking like. A decent amount of points out in transition. The Raptors on the other side of transition, they're going to get opportunities, but probably not being efficient in you know making making them count. And then the the three-point variance. For Raptors win, I think that it starts probably in the half court. I think that the the defensive output that the Raptors get is probably doesn't have that high a variance against these Bulls. I think that they've defended the Bulls pretty well across their three games. The one game obviously losing, it, it didn't go so well with the punching the gaps, but the Raptors, I've been pretty happy with it. But on offense, Pascal comfortably being able to deal with, I think, probably a pest poking, prodding the dribble, 
taking that attention and also being able to keep a live dribble for when he escapes that double when it comes and then reinitiates. Being able to navigate all that is super important. And then also Javante Green, I think, who has gotten a lot of really great possessions against Pascal this season. I wonder what the in-between minutes with him look like. But Pascal navigating that and the Raptors not going like 6 of 33 from downtown, which they just did against the Jalen Brown-led Celtics. It was a little bit better against the Jason Tatum-led Celtics. But either team, the Bulls or the Raptors, could just have like a 17% shooting night from downtown. And that every single aspect of schematics, uh, defensive wrinkles, offensive wrinkles, anything like that, that goes out of the window with shooting. Um, I'm curious, do you find it fun, disappointing? How do you feel about games coming down to three-point variants a lot more often in the new era? Uh, I think it's a problem for sure. I mean, especially like for people like you and me that really like to dive into the reasons why people win, you know, coach out coaching another coach, some, you know, strategic uh, little twist or something like that. And then, you know, you look at the box score and one team shot 20 for 35 and they're going to win every single time. So it kind of sucks. <laughs> it's Especially I, like in a one game series like this, you know. It's It's like, I think that the NBA wants that March Madness type aspect to it for sure, like the one and done. But as far as if it's like 87 to 65, because one team is, you know, starts off like 12 for 18 from three or something like that, then it loses a lot of its luster and a lot of the little changes you make don't really matter. I think that's that's probably, you know, I used the term interesting. You said it probably wasn't as interesting as I said earlier on. But <laughs> it, it is interesting that, a series can come down to that or a one game series can come down to that. As far as the Bulls, are there any other wrinkles do you think that they can throw at the Raptors? I know Pat Bev is probably the play-in's most popular player at this point. Not not in that. It's just that he has the biggest play-in moment in, in NBA history to this Legend, point. Legend, yeah. Yeah, like the on the table, throwing the jersey into the crowd. Um, what What can the Bulls, if you were speaking to Raptors fans, which you are, what is something that might come from the Bulls that you wouldn't really expect? Well, I can tell you what I will expect, which sure. is if Pat Bev, if if we if the Bulls win, Pat Bev is going to jump on the table again. He's going to give at <laughs> least two smalls, two two smalls. Uh, even if the Bulls are down by forty points, he'll still do he'll still do it. <laughs> okay. Wait, who who's his most likely victim then? Is it Pascal because they had that viral moment? What was it last year where Pat Bev said, "Don't send help," and then Pascal. It was actually a mix-up. Like Papev was expecting some defensive help, but then that didn't come. Do you do you remember that moment where Papev was like, "I don't," you know, like, but I, th- I think you're giving Papev way way too much credit. Uh, he there's not as much thought. It's just did I score inside the three point line? Okay, I'm going to do this move now. How many times have you seen that since he signed with the Bulls? I was tracking it for a while. There was one game where he played 40 minutes. I think it was like an overtime game. And he went two for three for like, you know, he had like five points or something. And both field goals, he did the too small gesture. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's very fond of it. Uh, it's a crowd pleaser for sure. Um, as far as like unexpected things from, from the Bulls, though, you did mention Javante Green, who just came back to the team. He had a bunch of knee problems. Uh, he's been a huge spark plug for the team. But the thing about him is that uh, they play him a lot at power forward. So like if 
the Raptors can negate. So Caruso is also the other spark plug. The Raptors can negate both of these guys. Like you want, I know a lot of people are like really high on Patrick Williams, but as of today, yeah. Caruso is a much better basketball player than Patrick Williams. So you want the Bulls to have to play Williams for his size and don't let them play Caruso and Javante Green. And the way that you do that, if you're the Raptors, is you abuse the Bulls with your size. Um, you make them. Billy Donovan has pulled the plug really quickly on Javante Green, on Derek Jones Jr. as his backup five. Once teams start to shred the Bulls on the glass, and then he goes to a much slower, um, much less dynamic lineup with Andre Drummond. I mean, Drummond's going to play a ton in this game too, but just he he tries to size up the lineup playing Patrick Williams at four. Um, if that happens, then you know you have the Bulls in a, a pretty tough spot. That's That's going to be the indicator right there. Well, also something that we have to talk about, I think just for the the, the average listener of this podcast is a, a Scotty Barnes enjoyer. They like to hear the outside perspective on Scotty's season, his game, how he might hurt your team. What are your thoughts on Scotty's season? And then are you worried at all at, about how he might use his size to kind of impact the game against the Bulls? I haven't gotten a good read on Scotty's season because uh, so I've probably watched maybe like 10 or 15 Raptors games. And it seems like every game. It's a different experience with him, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, yeah, like, uh, I, we, we have a lot of Raptors fans where I work, and the criticism on him is always that, like, he doesn't really have a bag, I guess. Hmm. But, yeah. um, and also, like, on the defensive side of the ball, you were talking about him maybe guarding Levine. I feel like his point of attack defense has not been quite as good as it was last year, so he's probably the guy I would least want to have on Levine. I do not want Scotty guarding Levine. That's that's for sure. I think that so I talked to PD Webb. We did a podcast right after the Raptors drafted Scotty. And he said that Scotty was going to struggle at the point of attack. Many people thought Scotty was going to be dynamic, tremendous. He hasn't been good at the point of attack since coming to the NBA. It's okay. He's, he's been okay in like some games, but then in some games he looks like a total disaster. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Like it's it's very inconsistent with his play. But what PD did say was that he expected Scotty to have success against wings like DeMar DeRozan. Hmm. And so I think actually there's been some on switches. Scotty has done pretty well against DeMar, kind of letting his length, as long as he backs off. That's that's one of Scotty's big problem is jumping ball handlers, but then not being able to keep up with them downhill athletically, like shuffling with guys. Yeah. But if he stays off, which OG has been really good at, he stays off of DeMar and lets his contest come after the the decision has been made on DeMar's part. I think that he can use his length to be effective. Zach, I know part of it. I think that would be a lot of trouble for the Raptors. So I, I do I do think that it probably ends up being Scotty on Pat, Fred on Zach, and OG on DeMar, if I had to guess. But as far as the no bag stuff, Scotty, this is something Nick Nurse Maybe he won't be talking about it to us for very much longer, but it's something he's been talking about um, is that you have to score to generate passing opportunities. I watched every pass that Scotty made this season and I tracked them and into advantage assists and non-advantage assists and everything. And one thing is clear is that he needs to be able to create more advantages because you talked about the Bulls lacking a dynamic passer earlier. Scotty is one of the most dynamic passers in the league. Like as far as making the read um, to put a guy in the, like making the ultimate read at the ultimate moment is one of the best things you can do in the NBA as a passer. And, and Scotty definitely can do that. But the bag, it's got to come along. I, I, I really am interested 
to see if he abuses with the back down though because his bag at this point is the bully drive and the bully drive alone there's no pick and roll manipulation he's pretty awkward in static post-ups still but if you let him kind of wiggle and bash his way he has really great touch on the inside and depending on who the bulls match up with him there could be a lot of room for that or maybe not so much room so i'm excited to see it his first playoff bucket was a bully drive on Tyrese Maxey where he kind of drop stepped into the lane and dunked and was like, Embiid, are you going to step up? I wonder if he might put the screws to somebody. But So Nurse was an assistant in DeMar's last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you, you know, the way DeMar gets so much of his stuff is just like pump fake, pump fake, pump fake, pump fake. <laughs> so I feel like they're um, better prepared for him just because – Nurse does have that advantage. And uh, in the first game that I watched, uh, they were breaking out a box and one on DeMar. They didn't play nearly as much zone in the most recent game. Has that just been like a season-long trend where they've kind of taken away these junk defenses, played less 2-3? I, so there was a ton of like junk earlier on in the season, I found. Um, they Obviously, there was a lot of Coloco in those early matchups against the Bulls. And so the Raptors, they play less junk with Coloco on the floor, basically, because mm-hmm. he's not as attuned to it. He had that big, what was it, six-block game against the Bulls that you know everyone started calling him Baby Gobert, and everybody had, hey, whoa, one sec. But as far as the Raptors and junk defense, I think that is, it stopped once Pearl came, and they got to be more effective in a lot more conservative looks. Like He, he calmed everything down, and the last time they played 2-3 was against the Celtics, um, a couple games ago, and it looked terrible. So I, mm. I don't expect to see like a ton of zone, but uh, I don't know. It, it should be, yeah. I, I guess we'll see what happens with that, but it hasn't been like a huge feature of their defense or anything like that. All right, because the Bulls have played really, really poorly against zone. <laughs> so maybe they'll look at the film and uh, bring some of that back. I don't know. It, yeah, definitely the Raptors, they played um, a 3-2 as well. Not Not against Boston, but... I can't remember the last game they played a 3-2 in. It didn't go well. They gave up a ton of looks, like corner threes. And um, I think it was like, man, like 30% of the looks over the course of the game were from the corner three. So it's not something that I expect to happen. But the last thing we'll talk about is DeMar DeRozan, the pump fake, all this kind of stuff. Yes, we addressed that, kind of navigating the point of attack defense. But as far as you're a guy who, you know, you covered DeMar and also... You know, there's a lot of history between these two teams. The narrative, are you a fan of narratives or anything like that coming into this game? DeMar taking down his old team in the playoffs? I hate narratives, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, DeMar, uh, I don't think he cares about taking down his old team. I think that he does care about um, revising this narrative that he sucks in the playoffs. He has had some really bad playoff series. I think last year in particular, like he wasn't very good against the Bucks because they have Drew Holiday. <laughs> they also mm-hmm. loaded up on him. They have Wes Matthews too, who's, who was great against him. Um, and I think the problem with him, like also, you know, I, I believe he lost the play-in game with the Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with him in the playoffs is his teams stink and <laughs> his teammates stink and he doesn't get any help when these teams load up. So I think it's going to be the same issue for him. Uh, I think a little bit of it too is just like when teams do have the opportunity to scout him a little more, they're more aware 
of staying down on his pump fakes, which is such a huge, huge part of his game, just getting to the line and um, yeah, essentially baiting guys getting into the bonus super quickly. So maybe there's a little bit there, but I think a lot of it too is just that um, he doesn't get the help that he needs. So uh, for his sake, like he's been one of my favorite bulls to watch ever, even though he Mm -hmm. sucks at defense and he has me pulling my hair out (laughs) on defense. Just his offensive stuff is super fun to watch. So for his sake, I hope that he... He at least has a big game. He's uh, he's my favorite player of all time. Huge, huge DeRozan fan from when I was a kid. And I, I do think that is the scout. A lot of what DeMar does is finding like pacing throughout a game and going at his own speed, getting to the same spots, the same dangerous spots, and making rote but advantaged reads. Like it's the, the inverse of Scotty Barnes. Like DeMar has a big bag and can get to a spot but his passing isn't that dynamic. He's going to make the same yeah. plain but effective reads. And that's really great in the regular season where people aren't going to load up on your tendencies as often. They're not going to have as much inclination to do so. But in the playoffs where they want to change up your pacing possession by possession, they're going to treat everything like, okay, we have to lock down on this. They might change how they like actually defend you at the point of attack. Instead of like, hey, we're not breaking package today. Don't shoot the gap on Demar. Just go over. That's what we're playing today. In the right, we saw this with the Raptors when he was there. But teams will shoot the gap on him and be like, we're going to change it up. Make sure that all of his looks are different. And it's just like it's radically different basketball. I, I'm I'm a huge fan of the regular season. I never like to devalue it, but I I don't think you can escape that. You know, playoff basketball and regular season basketball are much different. It would, of course, go much better for him if he played on like fantastic teams, too. Um, that's something I hope we see at the as his career kind of dwindles down or whatever it looks like. I'd love to see Demar as like a third guy on a world beating team, especially. I don't, since- I don't even want to see him on a good team necessarily. I just want to see him with some shooters, like even in San Antonio, <laughs> like he didn't have any shooters with the Bulls. He didn't have any shooters like give him two guys that can spread the floor because he hasn't had that in his last four years it's the the ben simmons theory but demar Derozan. people have had it wrong yeah. like the whole time you know it's surround ben with shooters no that's that's the tired the wired is the demar Derozan surrounded with shooters steph you're a shooter of many different types of articles where can the people find you and feel free to plug yourself before we get out of here you can find me everywhere i'm terminally online <laughs> I'm, I'm in the reddit streets i'm in the twitter streets i'm in the tiktok streets um, yeah, but probably my most uh, prolific social account is Twitter at Stefano S T E P H N O H. Before I go, though, you put me on the spot with a prediction. You never gave your own. So, Samson, what do you think is going to happen in this game? I think the Raptors are going to win. I feel pretty comfortable about how they'll defend the Bulls, and I'm not so pessimistic that I expect the Raptors just to completely collapse from downtown. Of course, that is a possibility, but I'm not giving that more than, you know, the 40% chance in my head. So I, I'd lean Raptors in this game. Is that, uh, that I just sound? had to I just had to put that out there so that you could jinx the Raptors and, you know, <laughs> the tiny little Homer part of me that still uh, can't sleep at night when the Bulls lose. That's uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, you'll have coverage of the game like right after it's done, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we don't really do gamers at Sporting News, so probably not. But maybe I might do something uh, for the fans, like on Twitter or Reddit or something. I'm, I mean, I'm definitely going to be watching it and you know, 
watching every play super closely. So yeah, why not? Sure. So listener, viewer, whichever it is, make sure to follow Steph on Twitter or on Reddit, depending on whatever he's linking to. I think Twitter just as a hub is a great way to go. And then you can get his thoughts during the game for the opposing viewpoint, which is always compelling and interesting. Um, For myself, uh, just thanks for tuning in with me. Steph, thank you very much for coming on, man. Yeah, it's my pleasure. We should do this more often. Hell yeah, dude. I'm uh, I'm definitely down for that. Let's I don't I don't want to bump Lara too much though. Lara's a great guest too. Hey, I would have both of you. We could do the three yeah. man pod. That'd be fun. Three man weave. That would be great. Um maybe the I'm gonna do outside looking in next year. And for the Chicago Bulls one, I'd love to do um both of you guys. We should do that. Cool, yeah. We've uh we've been on some podcasts before, so uh they always love to chop it up with with uh yeah. my guy Lara. Hell yeah. Okay. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, If you're listening to this on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel. I'm told it helps. The most important one is go to raptorsrepublic.com and subscribe to the website. Yes, it is paywalled, but we think that it's worth it. It is also one of the only ways to keep this independent media alive as ad revenue tanks on the internet. We've put out a lot of good work this year. The work only gets more important as the season does. If you want the really analytical and um, the hard-hitting analysis, I think that we do our best over at Raptors Republic. And if you're listening on the podcast channel, thanks for letting us chop it up with you, whether you got into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.